Gospel, chapter 7 from verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syria, Phoenicia, and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on them. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to, to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Chris. We serve a truly magnificent saviour. Uh, A a saviour who's able to do more than we ask or imagine and we're going to get a glimpse of that this morning. Uh, I just want to share a story with you, a true story of what a couple here in Launceston have encountered in their journey with Jesus. Some of you might have heard of Ross and Karen Mace. Anyone heard of Ross and Karen? Yeah, there are a few. Yep. They were missionaries in Ecuador, in South America, and this was a bit over 20 years ago. They were having some guests over for a meal, and they sent their two younger daughters, they had three daughters, sent two younger ones upstairs to have a bath. And it was a gas-heated bath, and you can imagine what happens next. The, The gas heater leaked, And they thought to themselves after a while, boy, the girls are taking their time up there in the bath. I can't hear any splashing around. They went upstairs. The girls were dead. And they were both nurses. They could not revive them. And it was 
just a most confronting funeral to conduct um, back here at St Andrews when they returned uh, from the mission field, just gutted and devastated uh, to have lost their daughters. And Karen carried for many years, probably 15 years or more in her heart, a deep reluctance to trust God again. She thought, if we go in Jesus' name to Ecuador and we, we lose two daughters, how can I know that something else bad isn't going to happen again? How, how, can I trust God? And she really wrestled with this. And uh, long story short, about seven years ago, Karen was at a, a prayer uh, retreat camp that I was at as well, at Camp Clayton. And we were singing and praying, and all of a sudden she just went down like a sack of potatoes, just hit the floor. We wondered what was going on. She stayed on the floor for quite some time, uh, 40 to 45 minutes. We covered her over with a blanket. We wondered what on earth was going on. We you know, checked her pulse and all sorts of things. Yeah, she was breathing. Eventually we realised we think God's having dealings with her. So we'll just leave her be. When she rose up, she was a different woman. And no one had said anything to her. There'd been lots of prayer for her. But she stood up and I could see the change on Karen's face. And she said, I can trust God. My heavenly father knows what he's doing. He does all things well. And she, she had breakthrough. She had deliverance from the bondage and fear of failing to trust and rejoice in God. And she has gone on in the power and strength of that and established Healing Place Ministries and she will freely tell her story. The only reason I tell her story is that I know of it. I was present at the occasion when it happened. I wasn't present in Ecuador, but in, in the good side of it. And, and she shares freely about her story. What we see here in Mark 7 is a God who is able to do more than we ask or imagine, breaking through in human lives, in the midst of human suffering. It does not always happen like we think it should or when we think it should, but God is merciful and the first thing I want us to observe here in these first couple of verses in Mark 7 is that this passage encourages us to pray for others trusting in Christ's power to deliver. It encourages us to pray trusting in the power of Christ to deliver. See what it says here. A woman came and fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. What is that if it isn't prayer? We would do exactly that by prayer. She could do it face to face, but it still amounts to prayer. She gets on her knees, she comes before him, and she begs him and says, Lord, 
please deliver my daughter. She has a demon, that's an unclean spirit that is afflicting her. Will you have mercy on her? So she implores Jesus on behalf of her daughter. Her daughter was in bondage. Her, her daughter was incapacitated and could not do for herself what her mother was determined to do for her, and that is go to Jesus on her behalf. It's called intercessory prayer when we go on behalf of someone else. That's what we see happening here. If we pray on behalf of others and bring their needs to God, we are interceding for them. This woman was doing that. Now, fellows, mothers are often better at this than fathers. John Newton attributed his conversion to his praying mother, who patiently taught and catechised young John in the faith. Fortunately, there are exceptions, and there's plenty of good dads as well who will pray for their children. But you'll see often in the scriptures examples of praying women. And here we have one of them. And John, John Newton's mother died two weeks before John turned seven. Later on in his life, he would reflect back and he would say, I could remember mum sitting me up on her lap and praying for me. It was almost like she breathed the Holy Spirit over me in her prayers for me. At the age of 11, uh, Newton headed off to sea for the first time. His dad took him initially. So this was around 1740, 17, uh, yeah, about 1740. And he headed off and he eventually worked his way up the ranks over the years and became a captain, a sea captain. And he sailed down the west coast of Africa to what we now know as Sierra Leone and he became a slave trader. And he would take uh, men, women and children captive in the cargo hold of his boat and take them back to London where they'd be offloaded and sold as slaves. He was up to his eyeballs in it. And in one of these trips, he, he had a, there was a huge storm. And imagine a storm so terrifying to a sea captain that he's quaking in his boots and fearing for his life. This must have been some kind of storm. And in his sheer desperation, he cried out to the God of his mother. God answered her prayers. Long before she'd prayed many prayers for her son. She was long gone by this stage. But God answered this woman's prayers. And John Newton came to faith. He came to, he made a promise to God. He promised the God of his mother that if, if, if the Lord brought him through the storm, when he got back to London, he would serve Jesus and he would return to church. And he did. And he renounced his slavery and involvement in it immediately. He went on and became a Church of England clergyman and uh, was, was prominent in the drive to abolish slavery. And he wrote the hymn Amazing Grace that we still sing today all around the world. The woman who prayed for, for this little daughter 
here in Mark 7 was, this, was from Syrophoenicia, Syrian Phoenicia. Now, we're told that's the area around Tyre. Tyre was the en- vicious enemy, long-term enemy of Israel. You can read about um, the, 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 the doom of the king of Tyre in Ezekiel 28. I just happened to read it yesterday. O king of Tyre, you exalted yourself to the heavens and likened him to be in the garden. Many think it's a, it's a reference to the fall of Satan. Tyre opposed Israel. Now, this woman swallowed her pride to come to Israel's Messiah and pleaded with him, got on her knees, humbled herself and said, will you have mercy on my daughter? She's afflicted by an unclean spirit. You see, humility and desperation grows faith. Pride will kill faith. Pride will keep us from going to God. But if we will humble ourselves before the Lord and draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And this desperate woman came to Israel's Messiah and put aside all her prejudices and pleaded with him, trusting that he was able to do what she could not do. It doesn't matter who you are, you can pray to Jesus. It doesn't matter one iota. He will listen to you if you come in your desperation. God is delighted to do great things in response to humble prayer. Remember, it's never beneath our dignity to beg Jesus to act for us. This woman got on her knees and begged Jesus. It's never beneath our dignity to do that before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has all the power and grace we lack. He is able to do more than we ask or imagine. There's no room for self-sufficiency when it comes to prayer. But there's always room for faith. And there's always room for honest questions or queries, but never for unbelief in prayer. He knows if we have wrestlings and we're honestly not sure. But if we just do not believe, we won't come to him. And we won't have because we don't ask. I ask you, do you have the faith of this desperate woman, this desperate mother? Do you really believe that the risen Christ who conquered death can help you and your children and all who are far off? Do you really believe that faith is trusting Forsaking all, I take him. Faith that's trusting God. Do you know that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to this Jesus? That he has that authority and he has commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations and he's poured out the spirit on us and we can draw near to him and he has the power because he has the answers. If you know these things, then pray. Draw near to him and pray. Come to him and pray your lungs out to him. Draw near to him and get on your knees. Lord, I believe, please help me in my unbelief. Cry out to God. Cry out to him for your children. Cry out to him for your unbelieving neighbour who will never open his mouth. 
cry out for, for people who in their atheism are hardened in their hearts and they will not believe and they will not pray because they don't even believe Christ exists. But we can pray for them. Sometimes in praying for our children, they don't like it. And they say to us, I don't want you to talk any more about this Jesus. Now, they might say that to us, but they cannot stop us talking to Jesus about them. That's intercessory prayer. So we can lift them up and we can pray. This Gentile mother's example is something to follow for us all our days. He is more willing to hear us than we believe. Pray and don't doubt Christ's power to deliver. He is able to deliver. There's another thing to observe here. This passage teaches us that to persevere in praying for others, we need to trust Christ's integrity, his honesty, his promises. Jesus, who taught us to love our enemies and to pray for those who despitefully use us, gave this woman a test. See what he says here. He said, first of all, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. I reckon that wasn't quite the answer she was expecting when she drew near to Jesus. That kind of response might have rocked her back on her heels a bit. But without skipping a beat, she just says, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Now there's something to note here. He said, first, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So dogs were unclean animals. She's a Gentile, regarded as unclean. A Jew would not eat with a Gentile. And, and given the history between Israel and, and Syria, perhaps Jesus was testing this woman's faith to, to put something back to her, to push back gently and say to her, do you really know who I am? Do you really trust who I am? And she latches on to the first bit because first implies something else next in line. And she fastens on to the fact that even dogs under a table can eat crumbs. Now remember, just in the previous chapter here, Jesus had fed 5,000 people and 12 basketfuls were left over. Fragments left over. Crumbs, if you like. And, and this lady comes and she says, I'm happy to have some of the leftovers of Israel. I'm happy to have some of what you first give to your own people. I'm quite happy. I'll, be set, I'll settle for that because it will be sufficient for my daughter. She doesn't doubt the integrity of Jesus, the power of Jesus, who he is. And Jesus said, for this reply, go. The demon has left your daughter. For this reply, for this trust, for this confidence in me, go, it is as you desire. It is given to you. And she 
joyfully goes home and there's her daughter lying in bed and at peace the demon has left her daughter. The impure spirit has departed. She was delivered. She went home and found the answer to her prayers right in front of her eyes. Jesus was true to his word. He said, go. This impure spirit's gone. And she trusted him. Sometimes the answers to our prayers come fairly soon. As with this desperate lady. She persisted in her asking. She wasn't easily put off by what appeared to be an awkward response or certainly not expected. Faith born of desperation does tend to find a way and she persevered. And she broke through and Jesus answered her prayers. We should not be put off by things that seem to take us off guard. We should not be put off by the Lord doing awkward things, things that we we don't expect. This woman's showing us, trust him. The very nature of this God is he is reliable. Draw near to him. And sometimes there seems to be an interminable delay. In the case of John Newton's mother, she never lived to see her son come to faith. But it happened. It happened. After I came to faith in, in Christ as an 18-year-old, I, the church I was going to, my, what became my home church, had a monthly prayer meeting that always seemed to be attended by ladies. It was the ladies that turned up at this uh, prayer for Nepal. They prayed for Nepal. Month by month, and this is in the 1970s and on into the 1980s. And to my shame, I remember thinking this to myself. Nepal is so far away. The people there are so bound up in a heathen religion. Why are these ladies bothering to pray? It's a waste of time. They'll never see any answer to their prayers. Do you know what happened? I don't think any of those ladies who prayed are still with us. I think they've passed on. They're they're dead. They're with the Lord. But God in his mercy led me to a church that got inundated with Nepalis. We had nearly 70 of them coming along to our youth group. And it has been many a time I look back and I think, these dear ladies prayed for Nepalis. And I, in my doubt and unbelief, got to see the answer to their prayers. How good is that? How astonishing is that? Youth group became mayhem. You can just ask the Cliffords and some others. It, it, it became so hectic for Cam and, and uh, that, that they, they actually, it led to them c- coming to the branch because uh, you could hardly find an Aussie among them. It was so difficult. God answers prayer. He's able to do more than we ask or imagine. We should not doubt him. Sometimes there's a great delay in the answer to the prayers. But God hears our prayers. In 2011, we had 21 baptisms at Gateway. The vast majority of them were Nepalis. God answers prayer. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is able to do more than we ask or imagine. 
Do we honour his integrity? Do we trust him? He came through for this desperate lady. He answered John Newton's mother. He delivered on his word for those faithful prayers for Nepal. In Luke 18, Jesus wanted to teach his disciples to pray always and never give up, so he told them a parable about a persistent widow who just would not give up. Never underestimate the truth of 1 Timothy 5.5. 5. The widow who's really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. Fellas, there's much to learn from a praying lady. Scripture is just full of examples of it. Who was one of the first persons to meet Jesus when he was brought to the temple? A lady. Maybe because women recognise that physically they're not as strong as, as men on the whole, physically. Maybe they just more quickly cotton on to the fact that if there's going to be an, an answer, it's got to come from outside of them. While us fellows are trying to put our might and muscle into it and solve our own problems, they've gone over our head. And they've, they've gone up higher and they're appealing to the Lord who's able to do more than we can. Never doubt the integrity of Jesus' words and promises. Turn to him. He who promised is faithful and will do it. Think of some of these promises. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. We should always pray and never give up. Do not fear, only believe and she will be well. For such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. These are from the lips of Jesus. Hebrews 11.6 sums it all up. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Will you lay hold of the promises of God in scripture? Will you dare to believe? God comes through for those when they feel trapped. Turn to him in earnest faith instead of running in ever more frenzied circles trying to solve your own problems. Which are you? One who will come and even beg Jesus in an undignified way? Or will you keep trying to solve your own issues? Keep trying to make things happen. Repent of false religion, self-religion and self-effort. Turn to Christ. Look to him. He has the power and grace, not us. Now, even if our, our children forbid us, to speak. We cannot be held back from speaking for them if we really believe. So look at this passage in this next section. Jesus heals a deaf and a mute man. There's just a couple of observations I want to make here. This passage shows us the mighty power of Christ to change people through actions. There's a real contrast here between these two incidents, both of which happen outside of the borders of Israel, where Jesus answered the mother's request for her daughter's deliverance with a healing word based on her reply. Out of earshot of the daughter, 
he now answers the request of a deaf and mute man's friends with a healing action performed directly on the man himself. Where the girl's issue was bondage to an impure spirit, this man's issue is inability. One was bound up, the other was incapable. One was tied up by a force beyond her, one was incapable inherently in his own self. This man was out of earshot in a different kind of way. He could not hear. And Jesus answered. Jesus responded. Notice it was the friends that brought this man to Jesus. He didn't come himself. He was deaf. He could hardly talk. They begged Jesus to place his hand on them. There's begging again. And Jesus obliged. Verses 33 and 34, we see Jesus took him aside, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephaphtha, which means be opened. Jesus performed a different kind of miracle because the need was different, the occasion was different. How do you communicate with a person who can't understand you? You use sign language. So he goes, in the guy's ears. In other words, I'm going to do something about your, this problem. And he spits and he puts something on the man's tongue. I'm going to deal with this, this problem you've got with your speech. And he, he looks up to heaven to show him where his help's going to come from. How do you communicate with someone who cannot hear you, who cannot understand you? You'd use sign language. And that's what Jesus is doing. And the deep sigh, the man would have seen that. He wasn't blind. And, and Jesus goes, showing that he's deeply moved for this man. He cares about this man. He'd already taken the man aside to, as a sign of respecting his dignity. So Jesus still healed this man by speaking. He said, if after, which is Aramaic for be opened, but his word was made flesh by actions, accommodated to the man's circumstances, so the guy could understand what he's doing. So Jesus acts according to the need. He accommodates to our restricted capacities in order to deliver us from them. Jesus' life on earth was one huge accommodation. He was God Almighty and he accommodates himself to, to a body. And time after time he has to accommodate himself to people's limited faith, a year of little faith. And time after time he has to accommodate himself to the realities of sin in the world. And he, he accommodates himself to this man's circumstances by sign language, showing him that nothing is too difficult for God. You can, you can be deaf and still hear the word. You can be dumb and not, not ask God for yourself, but your friends can bring you and you can get the very thing you desire. 
It doesn't matter whether you speak up for your child to Jesus in prayer in their absence or whether you bring a friend to be touched by Jesus at a meeting. The Lord knows your heart and has the power to do all kinds of things. You can invite people to Christianity Explored and they might meet Jesus. It's the same kind of principle. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. God uses people to bring people to Jesus. And we see that here. And Jesus is up to the task. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And sometimes we are so bound up and incapacitated that someone else has to bring us to Jesus because we're incapable. Like the paralysed man who was brought in by some friends on a stretcher. He couldn't lift a finger to help himself. And there were so many crowds there listening to Jesus, they actually clambered up on a roof, pulled away some of the tiles and lowered this guy down through the roof straight in front of Jesus. And all the time the guy's paralysed. He cannot do a thing for himself. But he's brought by his friends. And Jesus heals him. As long as we get to him, that's the main thing. Whether we bring ourselves or someone else brings us, that's the main thing. Jesus has heart surgery to perform and the devil cannot prevent him doing it. He wants to loosen the tongues of atheists. He wants to have them singing the wonderful praises of God. He wants to give ears to hear to anyone who will listen that they might hear and understand and receive. And the final thing here is this passage reminds us that Christ does all things well. It's got echoes of Genesis 1. And it was good, and it was good, and it was very good. This man does all things well. Do you hear what's being said here? Amazing grace is true. Christ can so soften the heart of a slave trader and, and turn him into an abolitionist. And he, he, he can t take the vilest offender who truly believes and give them pardon and deliver them. He can create a new love from above, a new affection for the things of God. He awakens within the soul a desire after righteousness, a desire to trust God. He does everything well. These guys look and they, they say they, they're overwhelmed with amazement. I think the old King James has their astonished with a great astonishment, which is a pretty graphic way of putting it, I suppose. It says, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Wow. Do you realise this? To the natural mind, the ways of God are like trying to peer through the glass of an ambulance can't see what's going on inside. We cannot make out what, if there's anything happening. But if we come around and view it from God's side, from the inside, we'll see the activity. It's a bit like those uh, when you do needlework and underneath there's all the threads and God's dealing with our lives, there's all those messy threads and we might think, what is going on here? And he invites us up and he says, have a look. Trust me, I do all things well. 
when we get to glory, when Hank gets to glory in just a short amount of time, he'll, he'll meet the one who does all things well. And he'll see the finished needlework. He'll see the completed picture. And he will worship as he's never worshipped before. Of all the things that will amaze us in heaven... When we get to behold the Lord Jesus face to face, I think this will be right up there that we trusted Christ so little during our lives and thought so little of the power of his resurrection. I reckon we'll be utterly amazed and we'll think, why did we not get it? We were warned in scripture after scripture and I was indifferent. I, I just didn't see it. I just didn't believe it that we forgot the magnitude of his love amidst our own piddling concerns, that we walk so much by sight and so little by faith, that we believe the lies of our culture more than the truth of the gospel, that we gave ourselves so wholeheartedly to this life that we gave scant thought to the next. Take heart in Christ. Draw near to him. Pray for others, trusting Christ's power to deliver. Persevere in praying for others, trusting in Christ's integrity. Remember the mighty power of Christ to change people by actions. And remember that Christ does all things well. Come to him. Let's pray. Father, open not just our ears and loosen not just our tongues, but awaken our hearts to faith in you. Stir in us the realisation that it has never been about us and our meagre powers, but about the mighty love of Christ and the power of your spirit. Teach us to pray like this mother of long ago and seek your face and not be put off by a harsh or awkward reply or great difficulties. Help us to be like the friends of this deaf and speechless man and bring our friends to Jesus who has the power to renew their hearts and give them faith and new life. Lord, help us to take heart in you, to believe you. Help us to learn to persevere in praying for others and bring them to you, trusting in the almighty power of Christ who does all things well. Teach us to read the Bible with fresh eyes, to study the example of your people down through history, that we may have clearer convictions of your goodness, and love, and the power of your grace. You give good gifts to your children, but often we don't recognise them because of our pain, or false assumptions, or preconceptions, or lack of faith. Bring us to see Jesus' cross from your perspective, where you poured out your wrath for sin on Christ instead of us. Lift our eyes heavenward, Lord. Help us to worship the one who does all things well and who died that we might be forgiven, who was forsaken that we might be brought back to you, who was wounded for our transgression, that by his punishment we might be healed. Help us to feel the force of your heavenly logic, that he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him also graciously give us all things? Lord, here and now grant faith to those who have none, and strengthen the faith of those who have so little. 
draw all of us here today back to you by the grace of your Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ who is full of merciful deliverance and healing power. May we not forget you or the message of your power and love in Jesus. Bother our conscience until we learn to pay attention. And show us the way home to you through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. For we pray in his name.